The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Catherine Young is our guest, investment director at Fidelity International. Catherine, the mood had been better for the past few days, uh, at least uh, in Europe and on Wall Street. I guess there was some thinking that there would be discussion at the Fed about slowing down rate increases, at least that discussion to be held. And we had earnings that were seemingly better than expected. But now the earnings after the bell today throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into that uh, do you expect choppy trading from here? Yes, indeed. Um, sentiment's still incredibly fragile. Uh, we do expect to see further market volatility. Um, all eyes still on, on on the rate cycle, globally speaking, as well as where inflation does go. So, you know, I think going into the end of the year, again, it's going to be volatile. So, Catherine, what's at the top of your list? There's so much going on. Uh, the, the You know, what's going on in China, uh, with she's taking complete and total power and making markets very nervous about the future future of, um, you know, any kind of more capitalistic kind of economy. And on the other end of the spectrum, the Federal Reserve, certainly at the next meeting, it's going to expect to do 75 basis points and maybe give us some signals about how much the slowdown in, in December could be reflected in something a little bit easier. When you look at the number one thing right now that you have to keep your eye on, is it easy to say what, what it is? It's probably still the global risk of, of policy in terms of policy being behind the curve in terms of even if we see inflation peak. So that really is key and, and then potentially, you know, a, a global recession. In terms of China, going into the Congress, what was interesting is that expectations were quite low, uh, but markets don't like uncertainty. And so that's the feeling when it comes to, on the political side of China, that is. But from an economic perspective, we can't forget that China is in a very different position versus most developed markets. So it does have the flexibility and the tool set to ease. And we could see further easing, especially going into 2023. Mm. Prices uh, are down. Price can be a great equalizer. Your thoughts there? <laughs> there's so much um, in terms of the opportunity set again from if we're looking from an economic evaluation perspective um, that there is lots to do in terms of China I mean we're looking at the internet sector which you could actually classify as value these days and we're looking at the markets and the last thing you said uh, before we took our little break and hurried back to you Catherine is that the internet sector is starting to look like a value segment now some parts of it have done well some have been beaten up so what do you mean by that what are you specifically looking at Oh, in terms of price and in terms of just how the multiples have come off. So what we have seen, especially during this rotation from growth to value, is that those really well-loved names that performed incredibly well during uh, 2019 and 2020, they're now looking very, very attractive given their earnings and their actual business models versus what they're trading at. And I think that value contrarian style bias is still very, very important when it does come to the Chinese market. What is one of your best contrarian buys? 
It would be that dividend yield story that's that's happening in China. And you can find really attractive dividends across a number of industries. It's not just, for example, the banks. And so I think that dividend yield acts as a cushion during this period of volatility. And again, most people don't look to China for, for yield. It's more Australia that they look to. Historically speaking, people have gone to China for growth as well as that play on the consumption theme. And I think that the rise of the domestic investor base in China is also very, very important to watch. What about the property sector? That was one of the things people said that uh, Xi Jinping failed to say much about at all in his big uh, speech at the party congress. Um, You think it's going to consolidate? How is that going to happen? And are there investment opportunities there? Yeah, it was interesting that nothing was really specifically said about that and so or, or really directed at the property sector. So the tone is probably going to be less hawkish, but we do expect to see this consolidation. So the property sector likely to see what we saw in the coal segment about five years ago. So the big guys become bigger and you see this flight to quality. What's really, really important from being on the ground in China, though, is that these developments and the property actually get all the properties get developed and, and completed for the citizens under the Common Prosperity Guidelines. We started off talking a little bit about policy, um, central bank policy, and even government policy. One of the reasons that investing in China right now looks um, perhaps less attractive, and we heard this from uh, Sok Gen strategists yesterday, that the case for Chinese equities has weakened because of a higher risk premium. And, and the essential point being that China is making it plain and clear, Catherine, that the emphasis is more on national security now than on other areas. That doesn't necessarily mean China becomes a much less attractive place to invest in, but it has people asking the question. Yeah, and again, it goes back to that um, the point I made earlier about uncertainty. So we're probably going to see further economic news flow come through after the various, um, you know, the working group committee, the two-party meeting, so in December, and then the first quarter of next year. But again, there was an emphasis as well on growth in terms of high-end manufacturing, the economic growth target still in place in terms of, you know, where we're expected to see China go uh, by 2035. So we can't ignore the fact that economic growth is still there and likely to be a KPI for the local government officials. So, Catherine, uh, you know, the big sell-off in, uh, you know, the Hang Seng Index and the sell-off in Chinese stocks, the golden dragon tumbles, and now things seem to be stabilized. Do you think Xi Jinping and his team care if investors sell their stocks off? You know, again, if we look at um, the selling we did see in, on Monday, it was, it was really more somewhat of a bias strike. So we did see a large amount of foreign selling. But what was interesting to note was the domestic side of things. And again, um, that rise of the domestic investor base, whether it's in China, whether it's in India, whether it's across the region, is really, really going to be key because you're not going to see markets, and that's not just equities, it's bonds as well, see that flight quality and that shift of money away from the region because the domestic money has that home bias. But China is saying that it wants to attract more foreign capital. It wants uh, to make business better for foreign companies. Uh, Do do you see opportunity here for a deal to be done uh, between, say, the West generally uh, and China? Uh, Because both sides have pretty good arguments about how the other is, um, is sort of trespassing upon their own territory. Yeah, potentially we could see further news and and the market is banking, obviously, on more positive news with the global events and meetings coming up. Um, So that's potentially another, you know, catalyst or area of focus for the market um, in this period of volatility. In terms of currencies, uh, we've got two stars right now, uh, and they're both have been heading in the negative direction, certainly the yen uh, and yuan. What 
what what does that mean for the region broadly? Is it just a currency issue? Is it something that could uh, royal markets continually? I think it's a, you know, mainly an issue regarding where the U.S. dollar is headed and all those risks we spoke about up front in terms of you know the risks about global inflation, the risks about um, you know a potential global recession and how bad that is. It's funny you should mention Japan though because over the past ten years Japan's actually performed incredibly well, uh, both from an economic perspective, a governance perspective, in terms of what the corporates have been doing, and a market perspective. But it's been completely ignored. So definitely opportunities in Japan too. Quickly, five seconds. Would you start buying Japanese stocks? now. Um, yes, and I think that Asia as a whole still is a very attractive place versus the rest of the world. Well, thank you so much, Catherine Young, Investment Director at Fidelity International, covering a lot of investment and market grounds for us. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.